on his own <laughs> so yeah Thomas can't do it this week and I wanted to have a go at doing this by myself and uh, sure we'll see what happens you might not hear this because I might throw it in the bin and uh, you might hear it and it might it might be shite and you hear it sure who knows so, um, what I want to talk about is something that kind of came to my attention when I was doing the um, end of year uh, podcast and talking about all my favorite bands and albums and stuff like that. And I realized at that time that I kept talking about like emo and the current phase of emo and like. I would reference like some bands might have a what I would call a Midwest emo sound and I realized a lot of these phrases are probably nonsense unless you're as into this type of music as me so I'm gonna attempt to do some kind of um, history of that genre but at the same time I don't want to do just the the basic fact because if you want to do that, you can just read a Wikipedia article. But what I can offer is my own unique history with it and my experience of discovering this music and even growing to love it. And maybe if I take you through my own process and you haven't heard this music yourself, then maybe you can come to love it too. Um... I'm a little bit nervous because I haven't really written anything down. I've got like a list of a few bands that I want to make sure that I mention. But apart from that, I'm going to blind boy this shit and um, just wing it. Oh, I've even got a, just to make sure, get the authentic blind boy feel. Smoking a vape like a prick. Oh, ambiance there so um yeah this is a weird like I'm sure even bringing up emo for most people listening it probably has the same like connotation or the same brings to mind the same images or bands that it always did for me until I kind of got into it like My Chemical Romance Eyeliner and those black and white belts remember them but uh now I love the genre and I've kind of like uh, come to understand what it means and how like important it is, I suppose. So this is my own coming to terms with emo and uh, 
or how I stopped worrying and learned to love emo. So yeah, let's start there with uh, the likes of My Chemical Romance or like Panic at the Disco or who else would be in there? I suppose like the and even Paramore kind of became one of like the big emo or yeah, they would have been classed as that as well. Um, like that is cert- certainly like the like that was such a huge phenomenon at the time. I think that's kind of what's in most people's heads is their idea of emo, but it goes way back. Like to like I was always into. It goes way back to the hardcore punk scene. Um, DC was it the DC scene? Yeah, that's another thing I should mention. I haven't, like, done loads of research. I'm just going off the top of my head as much as I can, and it's going to be... I don't know how personal it's going to be, but probably more personal. If you want a a more objective version, then that's available online, but I can give you my own version. So if you want to hear that, stick around. So, once upon a time... Minor Threat broke up. <laughs> and then Ian McKay went on to form the band called Embrace. And at the around that same time, too, there was another big band called, well, big, comparatively big, called Right to Spring. And between those two bands, I think that was the first mention of emo, or what it was called then, it was Emo Core which was emotional hardcore. And there's clips you can hear of Ian McKay, legendary Ian McKay. If you don't know who he is, then you're probably not into this shit. If you're into this music at all, like punk, hardcore, any of that, you probably know that name. But there's clips of him saying, like, giving out about how stupid the term emo core is because, and he laughs at the, at the idea of hardcore music not being emotional. But, which is, and it is a ridiculous concept is like what music in general isn't emotional that's what um, music is soundtracked emotions (laughs) but I do think that is an important like conscious step that they took to like especially punk at that time was like the hardcore was just all about hyper masculinity fucking aggression speed and they were consciously taking a step back a little bit, slowing things down a little bit, maybe being more melodic and more thoughtful. And I think, weirdly, that might be the sort of... Um, legacy of emo music and why, even though it's evolved so much, it's still definitely stuck around and... I'm going to try and get back to that at the end and my uh, see if I can come up with some blind bias caught take before I get there. So how did I get into this stuff? Um, well, I suppose I can... Is it maybe the best way is just to take a quick journey through how I got into music in general because it's all kind of tied. The, the more... Like over the last few days I've been going back into the music I used to listen to and kind of revisiting some and following my own journey. And it's all kind of... I've realised that a lot of it's tied in ways I didn't really know it was. 
So I think like, first of all, I heard ACDC and I got a guitar. I started playing music. <laughs> but then somewhere pretty early on, I started listening to Ramones. And I think that was like the first big, like life changing moments in my like musical taste. And I, th- and if I haven't made it clear already, then like emos come from the punk, the punk scene and the Ramones are the granddaddies of punk. So it's a good place to start. And, um, especially like the Ramones are a good example because they were doing like they were inspired very much by pop music and they were singing about girls and they were singing about like they weren't as political as punk came to be even like the the very early punk like the like sex, sex pistols and stuff like that like Ramones were before it even got mildly political like that never mind like the hardcore like uh stuff was doing like all the anti-Reagan stuff from that all the punk bands were singing about pretty much all the hardcore bands and um, yeah and the same with like um, alongside the Sex Puzzles and even the Damned their first single the first UK punk single signal by the way uh, New Rose was again more to do with like uh, a relationship like guys singing about a girl which really is what Ebo became about in its simplest uh, terms which yeah I got into got into Ramones and then at some point I got into Dead Kennedys and they were more directly paired or like connected to the hardcore scene their first album probably couldn't be considered hardcore but maybe their later stuff but even that like I, I actually listened to the Fresh Fruit for Rotten Vegetables earlier today and I didn't realize how that kind of led me into all this stuff. I should say that as much as I'll be talking about emo, I'll probably I'll be talking about math rock because they're very much related. Um, the most to sum it up, or maybe to oversimplify it, math rock is basically emo without lyrics. The early stuff, anyway. They're very much coming from the same similar kind of place. But uh, yeah, listening to that album, there's like all these, like if you listen to a song like Holiday in Cambodia, it's like all reverb drenched and like cinematic and atmospheric. And then like the the uh, outro riff on Ill in the Head is like this really sort of jarring, like almost like punk jazz thing going on, which is very familiar to like... Uh, like any like anyone who listens to a lot of math rock. And even like the the echoey reverby stuff in Howard and Gimbody brought to mind like a more recent bands like and so I watch from afar.
but um, and it was like Dead Kennedys. I think like what why Dead Kennedys was kind of more accessible is because even though a lot of these weird the experimentations in the music, the Jello Biafra's got a great sense of melody in his uh, lyrics and everything and his singing. So I think that kind of like when you think of those songs, you think of the hook to like a. Uh, California Uber Alleys or something like that like before you think of like the weird stuff going on in the background and then after that I started listening to the likes of Nirvana which again like that that's that was the thing with the, with both of those like with the punk scene and with the grunge scene they were both doing the same thing basically but at different times Ramones were a direct sort of retaliation to, like, the over-excessive and, like, progressive, like, sounds of bands back then. Like, like they're getting really over the top and, like, crazy guitar solos and drum solos and all that there. And they decided they want to bring it straight back, strip it all down to, like, its more poppy elements. And even, like, Johnny Ramone's guitars are trying to emulate the Phil Spector wall of sound. And they really liked... Their inspiration came more from, like, girl bands and, like, Led Zeppelin or whatever and then in the 90s then it was reacting to the excess of like 80s hair metal and stuff and again it was like trying to bring it back down and make bring it back to a more emotional core like if you listen to like Nirvana that that's what they were doing too they were getting trying to get make it real which I suppose is what punk has always been about it's like bringing something back to a more genuine, pure form. And the 90s were special. I've kind of only realized more recently and like in retrospect, there's so many of these, like all those bands, like um, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and then even like the punk bands around then, like Green Day, um, and even a lot of these like um, bands that I'll get into, like the emo math rock bands, like um, Sunny Day Real Estate, for example, they were making the like really creative like music, but also in a time where somehow this corresponded with commercial success, which is kind of amazing and I don't think it's really happened maybe not before and definitely not after where their full creative vision was also what like doing exactly what they wanted was also exactly what the world wanted to hear and it's pretty special and I think it makes sense like kind of going back and realizing that a lot of these things were happening at the same time it makes sense that it was all happening in the 90s so that was kind of my, like, the big, like, moments in my, like, what I was listening to musically. Like, Ramones and Dead Kennedys and, like, Nirvana. But I was listening to this stuff in, like, early 2010s. And at some point, I kind of realized that I was listening to stuff, like, at least, like, a decade in the past. And I wanted to make a more conscious effort to be aware of what was happening currently 
which I still, I've kept that up. Like I'm constantly trying to listen to new things. And I think you have to do that as a musician because if you're writing music, I don't think there's any point in reacting to something that happened 10, 20 years ago. Like I just said, with the likes of grunge, that was a reaction to what was happening in that moment in time. So, which explains why everyone wanted to hear it because it was for that, it was music of that time and for that time. And it was also, I started in, in music college around 2011, might have been. So I think I was probably, I don't know, maybe just um, open or exposed to a little bit more music as well, kind of more unusual stuff. Oh, another band from the 90s that um, I really got into was uh, Smashing Pumpkins. That's a great, another great example of even within the grunge scene, which they were kind of a part of, like they were way doing way weirder stuff, which I think like is indicative of how that moment was open to more experimental stuff and a band like that could could have such commercial success because there's no... If something like that came out now, they would be like super niche. They'd be like complete underground, like only a few people know about them kind of thing, but they were huge for a couple of albums anyway. So I think one of the big sort of bands for me that like one of the things that I always find it really interesting is because I loved my I loved the punk I loved like there's a big moment I remember when I was younger sitting in like a friend's bedroom and Green Day was on the CD player and it must have been Kerplunk because I have a memory of holding that CD case in my hand and like looking at the cover and hearing the music and just being like oh this is the shit like I got really into that moment of 90s pop punk like Green Day Offspring and Blink-182 which I know are a bit later on but they're all the same kind of sound of that so I think like between and like Nirvana were essentially just a a dirtier um they were they were pop punk but punkier I guess and that's another thing I heard re-listening to Dead Kennedys it's like they were probably a precursor to a lot of that grungy stuff too with like like uh Soundgarden also are a band that like they were kind of doing they were kind of a bit more experimental like Dead Kennedys were and I think in general I had a sort of strange affinity to just all that 90s like the, the grunge and the punk all that music I was just that became like what I was listening to 100% of the time probably I don't know if it was because it was 90s and I thought I was a 90s kid even though I was a child for most of it but I don't know <laughs> there was something about it subconscious or just like a some weird decision I made in my head to anyway, it's some kind of for some reason whether I was consciously looking for something that I could 
identify with because it was 90s and I was born in the 90s and I don't know something about it anyway maybe it was just that age that I was that like that music is for like I think for every generation when you're that kind of in those like teen years Green Day and Nirvana will always speak to you because that's what it's for and then so yeah then I went to college anyway this would have been when I was about 21 is that right um 2021 I think I went to college went to music college studying performance and that's when I started getting into at some point I discovered post rock which uh I like was really into for a while which was also kind of weird because like going from punk and grunge which is basically just it's basically just punk old school punk hardcore punk grunge pop punk we'll just call it all punk and then for some reason I started listening to post rock which is like super ambient slow no vocals and I don't know didn't understand it didn't understand why I was listening to this music all I've come up with trying to think about it recently is that like I used to listen to classical music when I would like to try and help me sleep or like doing homework or studying or something like that when I was still in like secondary school probably doing my junior cert so maybe because I listened to that age is somehow in my brain and post-rock was similar to that I don't know and then I remember hearing and so I watched from afar on the radio I heard beautiful universe master champion What is this? Because it was like that post-rock that I'd been getting into, but there was something else that was like more energetic. Um, and just it was different. And then, of course, they were just from up the road, and I started doing studying music in Derry, and they were from, like, outside Port Rush or somewhere. And there was this extra, like, connection, I think, and I just kind of started getting really into this. And just gradually exploring more of that sound, which at this point I still didn't know. Like I've said that there's that connection between um, like emo and math rock, but I was only getting into this stuff. Like this was my first experience with math rock was And So I Watch From Afar. And even at that, they're, they're not really as mathy as some other stuff is. Like, I think on that album especially, it felt more like an like like I said like a energetic post rock. And then, let me see if I can think of some of the other bands I was probably getting into at that point. I liked a lot of explosions in the sky, but that was more math or that was more post rock. Sorry, um, math rock bands. What are my first few math rock bands? I don't know. I'll have a think. Maybe I'll edit something later. 
some point I also realised that there's a huge connection between Ireland and a lot of these math rock bands. For some reason, Ireland has a unusually high output of these bands. Like, I got into God as an Astronaut when I was into the post-rock stuff. And then discovered, like, Enemies, which ended up becoming the namesake for my own band. I was listening to Redneck Manifesto, um, Adebisi Shank, um, and like newer bands as well, like Punch Face Champions. Might have been a bit later on for bands like that, but like, I think that's what kept me, that probably kept my attention earlier, early on, that there was just something about Ireland and Irish bands and this kind of music and that got me excited. Totoro, um, Clever Girl, that's great. Um, entry point actually for anyone who's not into this stuff. Um, no, no, no drum and bass in the jazz room. Is that what it's called? Clever Girl EP. Um, yeah, check that out if you want something to get into, get you into this kind of stuff. to one of the someone putting on like we were doing a performance and in between acts someone put on this like crazy tune and I don't know what the hell it was but I loved it and it turned out to be uh, Melt Banana um, something about a face <laughs> punch for your face shield for your eyes a beast in the well on your hand was actually the name of it I think maybe just at that point um, I was a bit more open to these weirder kinds of music and wanting to get away from the like more traditional punky stuff that I had been into for a long time but I do think another huge stepping stone between like bridging the gap between those was I got got into Husker Du around this time uh, who were like a huge hardcore band and like, and extremely influential on 
Nirvana, for example, which is just a sheer fire way, always has been and probably always will be a way to get me to listen to a band. Just tell me that Kurt was into them and I'll give them a go. But their early stuff is like super fast hardcore. Then with their later stuff being a lot more melodic and even um, Bob Mould's other band, Sugar, are really good, like sort of virgin on grunge, but more just like a 90s alternative sort of uh, rock band. I would listen to their stuff and um, like like I've always just consumed or tried to consume albums as a whole like that's like how, how I would listen to music when I was younger especially before we ha- before I had like I had a shitty like 95 computer at home which couldn't even like rip CDs <laughs> all I could do is put in the CD and type up the information like type on the album name and the song names and save that and that's what I used to which used to do like buy a CD come home put it on the computer and save the track titles and the album names and all that there kind of shit so my main way to listen to music was buying albums buying CDs um, and just like listening to them and even the benefit of that was even if I didn't necessarily like it I'd probably still listen to it a lot because I'd spent money on it and the other way that I listened to a lot of music was I got a little like MP3 player, like I probably only had like 120 megabytes or something, and I would give that to friends and they would load it up and I would just listen to everything on that until I got sick of it and then give it back to them and so so that's kind of how I always listen to music. So that kind of continued then anyway. Whenever I was listening to the Alexa Fisker do. And they would do a lot of, like, weird shit in the middle of their (laughs) albums. Like, just weird, like, jazz-inspired, cacophonous, like, instrumental stuff. And I would just sit through it because it was in the album. And I think that probably helped a lot to get into the weirder math rock stuff. Otherwise, probably would have been completely jarring. And even I just realized that, like, like I said, the Nirvana um, comparison, like the likes of Nameless Endless, uh, and uh, I think that was the one on the end of Nevermind, whatever the one on the name of In Utero was, like the big like jam sessions that we just have. It's like, now that I think about it, that's probably from Husker Du doing those weird and instrumental things.
I also I, I always wanted to know why like why I was into these two seemingly very separate types of music like why did I like the Ramones as much as I liked the Mars Volta or something like that which is another uh, good place to might be a bit easier to get into this stuff as well from like the Mars Volta which then ties back to the emo post-hardcore roots of like at the drive-in but that was something I was getting into as well around this time where this is more experimental stuff listening to like especially like Mars Volta's first full length which is like a weird combination of like punk influenced prog metal understand why these there seemed to be no connection between these types of music in my head not that there has to be like but I just was trying to find order I was trying to make sense of it and the big sort of click moment for me was discovering a band called No Means No I remember hearing the first track off uh, their album Wrong um, it's catching up came out in 89 and it just had this sound that was both like the classic punk that I was used to listening to and the emo sound or sorry and the math rock sound of like and so watching a fire or something like that and it was just like this it like closed this loop and I realized it was all related <laughs> So now we've kind of gone through my journey, I'll go back a little bit and kind of take you through the more general history. The reason I wanted to do that was partly because, like, if if you haven't got into any of this music, then maybe here in my own journey will um, inspire you to, like, pick up one of the albums I did earlier on. Or, like, if you liked any of the music that I did mention but you haven't heard of certain bands, then maybe you'll like that, so... I don't know. I'm just trying to spread the love here. So back to, um, as I mentioned, Ian McKay, Right to Spring, Embrace. Then Ian McKay, after Embrace and given out about being called emo, which is just a kind of, it's like one of the defining 
points of being in an emo band is you have to complain about being called an emo band. It's even happened to us. We were called emo. Um, but like I said, this is about me and maybe even you accepting that word doesn't have to be as terrible as we all think it is. <laughs> so yeah, he formed Fugazi then. Hugely influential post-hardcore band. I don't know if they technically fall under emo, but at that point, emo and post-hardcore were essentially the same. Um, And like I said, it was a more conscious effort to just be more thoughtful in in the music. And I heard a quote that he kind of, that was like his sort of ethos at that time was, he always wanted to be in a band and Fugazi was about him wanting to be a musician. And it was an important distinction that I think it became more about the music and not just about the sort of the fun of being in a band or the the like status of I'm in a band it became more about the music and they would even do things that like uh, stop marching at gigs and um, sort of try and make a more inclusive atmosphere and stuff another big band uh, around that time maybe a bit later on actually they might have been but um, they're definitely closer to that post-hardcore sound of emo that took me quite a while to get into so it's if you're new to this it might not be the best place to start but something to try and get into because now I really love it and that's um, Drive Like Jehu and their album Yank Crime which is a bit more discordant and heavier Maybe if you're into the grunge stuff, then you can find a bit of a overlap in there. Like I said, like all this stuff is happening like parallel a lot of the time. Like grunge was the one that became really commercially successful, but at this in the nineties too, emo was like thriving, and I'm sure. Actually, great example. I was going to bring up a Jawbreaker, who. I kind of viewed as being their album on fun, which is still one of my favorite albums. Is like it's like a super raw, almost pop punk. I think I think it probably is categorized as pop punk. Like usually that album's 
categorized as pop punk with their later stuff being categorized as emo with I don't think really much changing in their sound but I think maybe the it had more to do with the environment that they came out in that dictated what genre it was more than anything so I check out that album and I kind of viewed them as sort of being this where emo, pop punk and grunge kind of um, overlap in a way and I just found out today earlier on that they actually used to open for both Nirvana and Green Day so that'll kind of <laughs> it kind of adds credence to what I was thinking but another thing happened like as well as the likes of Fugazi being more thoughtful like like the reason like the, I mentioned earlier with the Ramones writing songs about girls like that like like punk got away from that and then bands try to take it back that way like with bands like the descendants who are often seen as like one of the sort of forefathers of modern pop punk but i think it can equally be said that they're a forefather of emo in that case because that's because they were consciously doing the same thing they were making a more like i think probably a pioneer of like melodic hardcore them and bad religion i think but it was again trying to be more personal um i suppose more vulnerable and that's the thing about this too it's like the these themes are universal and eternal like they're still relevant like if you listen to those songs and you hear some guy talking about a broken heart like that hasn't like gone out of fashion it's still what we all experience and i think that's important and yeah i mentioned um sunny day real estate earlier too that's another i think great album their album diary from 94 i think is a good one to get to get you into that sound like and the like i was talking about the comparisons to grunge there's a quite a grungy sound in that and as if that wasn't enough Nate Mandel the bassist from Sony Real Estate is now the bassist in Foo Fighters and their drummer was also in Foo Fighters briefly too so that connection's even tighter another sort of aspect I need to talk about is and I'm sure it's a phrase that I've used before is Midwestern emo which the sort of I think the biggest example uh, like example of that kind of sound was um, American football. And their song, their song "Never Meant" is probably the closest thing to like a, a hit song from that emo movement. It's even like been memeified, and there's like Mario sixty four remixes of it and everything. But that was sort of taking the likes of. Um, suppose like what slint were doing which again like i don't think that was really quite emo but definitely a more is taking like post-hardcore again and like getting slower and more methodical with it and i think that's an important aspect in general just like the like that's the thing too like when I was younger, I couldn't 
I was like getting trying to get my head around this how like I could like punk and this more experimental type of music which can also often be quite like abrasive and weird because it's like math rock is like sort of categorized by strange time signatures and jump between the time signatures and unusual scales and sounds and everything but like now that I think about it like of course of course the music inspired by punk was the stuff that was pushing the boundaries as much as possible even though punk started as being like three chords in the truth like aesthetically it was the same it was pushing the status quo of traditional songwriting and that and like that's another big sort of like as i get into now like with like one of the one of the most important uh pop or yeah i suppose like pop punk style emo albums was weezer's pinkerton their second album and like that I think that's a good example of like if you're kind of unsure of the difference between like 90s pop punk and 90s I guess emo pop or emo punk I don't know like if you don't know about that album too it's kind of it's become kind of a cult a cult hit where like at the time it was sort of critically panned and and not really uh, very well accepted and kind of why Weezer went back to like didn't continue along that path like they, like it was Rivers Cuomo being very like open and vulnerable and then it didn't really get accepted very well and sort of tarnished I suppose or not tarnished but like just decided where he went with the rest of his songwriting then back to less personal more like pop focused lyric or like yes song subjects and and styles and everything but like and it's weird too because i was watching a pop or i was watching a punk rock mba video recently and someone asked a question to finn mckinty about like pinkerton being the most important um most influential emo album or something and he kind of dismissed it uh, saying that like, that's not really what emo was about, whatever. Which I don't know. I don't really hold it against him. He's probably not clued in. I don't think he really likes this kind of music as much as I do, and he probably knows more about like hardcore punk than me. So whatever. But listening to it again recently, like I think it is like that sound has really permeated the sort of up until now still like all like the sound of so many emo bands like and like the likes of um even what jeff rosenstock is doing or like prince daddy and the hyena listen to a song like uh, Fallen For You like that's a great example of being great hooks but 
a bit more experimental, but slash traditional in its songwriting. Uh, a lot more chord changes I find is usually like a good uh, indicator. Like. Like Green Day would could write a whole song around three cards, maybe four, where the emo kind of stuff, even though it's still very poppy and that kind of sound, it'll kind of throw in more stuff. And even like another great example of that kind of pop punky emos from that time is Get Up Kids. Um something to write home about. Poppy punk sound, but like the some great like keyboard stuff and just a bit more experimental and stuff. And I think again, that's probably another big influence on the current sound of like emo and everything. So yeah, where does that leave us? I suppose back to. Where we started with My Chemical Romance. Stuff like that. Which have very little to do with the origins. Like like hardcore music evolved essentially. It had to have more to do with like... Um, it's probably closer to like the likes of Green Day than it is to the likes of Rites of Spring or something like that. I could see a comparison maybe between like... Uh, Panic at the Disco and a band like Say Anything very like theatrical and uh, like, sort of um, yeah theatrical and that but that's another thing too like which I think is important to weirdly important to the legacy of this type of music it's like this music isn't cool this music is it's called emo like it's <laughs> it's not about 
looking good or sounding good. It's about getting into something real and expressing something that maybe someone else needs to hear. Like, my chemical romance were never cool to like. They were cool to hate. But they're a band that are important to so many people because people needed them to be their voice, essentially. And I think that's weirdly why, like, there's still a thriving scene for this music. Like, it's completely different now. Like, the emo revival happened... When was when was that? Early 2000s? I don't even know. And I don't know what wave we're in now. Although there's a great... um. There's a great uh, Bandcamp article with Jill Link as well. Fifth Wave Emo. I guess that's where we're at. <laughs> but uh, it's cool because you can just kind of... Um, I really like the way they do these articles. You just press play at the top and it'll like play the suggested stuff and then you can just read through it and it'll automatically go to each band. And there's some great stuff in there. All of it, definitely worth checking out. But yeah, it's like... It's 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 about something real. Like It's, it's like what grunge... And like I was saying about when I was a like adolescent, I loved Nirvana and I loved Green Day. And then just the same as people loved My Chemical Romance and Panic at the Disco. And I'm okay with being part of that genre if like if that's its legacy that it it means something to people, then What's better than that? And partly the reason this was inspired is actually from a band I heard on that uh, on that band camp band camp list I mentioned, a band called Proper. And it just it it moved me so much. It 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 the singer is like a, a black queer guy and he's just singing about that experience and it's so vulnerable and honest and funny and sad and it just it it just moved me so much oh my god i'm back on my bullshit goodness day i'm happy but so hard i just can't do it trying to fight two bouncers down in new orleans spent too much time on grinder talking to some boys from queens If if that is all because some guys in the 80s decided to be more thoughtful and change things up, 
to give people now who like that's the weird thing too it's like almost choosing not to be political has led to these niche groups like there's more and more women and women in emo and like queer and trans people and like even looking at the new wave of like hyper pop which are also seems to be uh, more accepting or more I don't know accepting or those kind of people seem to be attracted to that music anyway if that's the the outcome then that's pretty amazing like because I don't know where else I would hear this kind of music, these lyrics, or like, or that perspective, and that, and that's what I love too. Like I mentioned, like a uh, Jeff Rosenstock, briefly. I don't know if he really. Some of his stuff is emo. I'm sure. I'm sure, but he's more just like a. I don't even know experimental pop punk if that makes any sense. But going to gig like a gig of his or. Another one of my favorite, one of my favorite bands, Irish band Tune and Tinfoil. You go to their gigs. You jump around to the guitars and you sing along every every word, and it's sheer pure catharsis, and it's amazing. You don't get that from fucking some cool Arctic Monkeys riff or whatever. And from what I hear, from my experiences online too, these like emo um, communities are like, they just, they seem to be way more welcoming to people and like, and I suppose that it's kind of cool too that that's the, the main um, criteria for liking it is like, did it make you feel something? <laughs> then it's good. It almost doesn't matter, <laughs> like what or anything else. And that's what's more punk than that. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. That's my thoughts for now. My bind boy ass hot take. Maybe I'll add something in. I don't know. But if that's all I got, then stay emo, kids.
from the future here now I've just finished editing this episode um, I decided to put that track you just heard in as the Irish track uh, it's from Cassavetes Cassavetes I'm going to go with Cassavetes um, figured as a good example of some modern Irish emo Um. Yeah, it was a bit of a different episode today. It took me a while to get this one edited. I added in all the all the songs and everything like that, but it was a lot of fun. So um, if you like this, please let me know. Give me some feedback. Maybe I can do some kind of follow-up. Uh, I intend to do a, a follow-up of sorts in the next regular episode to when I have Thomas back um, just hopefully he'll have listened to this episode we can kind of talk about things and maybe there's stuff that I've missed uh, there's definitely bands that I could have included but either forgot or just left out from for time or but uh, yeah hopefully Thomas can give some impact input next time um, he's on with me um, I want to do stuff because I kind of touched on pop punk and I want to go more into that and specifically the current state of pop punk because it's getting a bit of a resurgence at the minute. Um, and yeah, hopefully I didn't sound too weird. It's a little weird for me just sitting here chatting to myself, but uh, I think it sounded okay. And for now, I will leave you with one more track from one of my favourite bands, Enemies, who I mentioned briefly but didn't include. Um, as an example of one of my favourite math rock tracks, this is Morse Code by Irish band Enemies. <laughs> 